She looked at me like a disappointed child. I said nothing. She asked why I was leaving. She wanted a reply. And I said nothing. She didn't know I watched her meet her lover at the motel. From my car that was parked across the street. Ghoulish greetings, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes you just heard is, as always, courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Now, you guys, today is a special day for me, April 10th. It is the four-year anniversary of the podcast. So far, it has been a great four years, with an episode being released every single Monday, never skipping a week, something I'm super proud of, obviously, where I have covered several different topics, from cursed items to haunted locations, and I've had several phenomenal guests on scattered throughout the United States and in different countries as well. Looking forward to seeing what the next four years brings us. Thank you, everybody, for your amazing support and for lending me your amazing ears. Impacts already, life-threatening storm now, a very strong Category 4 hurricane winds up. Hurricanes. Man, they bring many things into the lives of those who live in areas that are affected by them. Fear, uncertainty, panic, loss of life, loss of possessions, animals, lost and disoriented, people leaving their homes, not knowing, not knowing if they will ever step foot or see that house that was once their home, their everything, ever again. Hurricanes, I like to say, bring the gang of D's, destruction, death, disarray, depression, damage. Living in North Carolina part-time, thank goodness not during the tropical storm season anymore, did that for a couple years and it was beyond stressful for me. I have seen the fear and panic set in as the state of emergency is being announced. Going to the store just to even try to get something like toilet paper or food, everything. It looks like you're walking into a ghost town. It's just all gone. Everything you could think of. And then people going and getting lumber to shut up their windows as if the world is ending. And guess what? For some of those people, the world is ending. And I always, I'm one of those people that it's like, I have to roll my eyes when people say the world is going to end on this day or whatever. And it's like, In my opinion, yes, the world is going to end for every single one of us once we die because we're no longer here, but it's going to keep going on for everybody else. Just my opinion. I know, but there you go. This episode, it brings us to Polly's Island in South Carolina, named after George Polly, who had inherited the island from a land grant from his father. Located in Georgetown County, it's a small island. It's about three miles long, maybe a little longer, with about one quarter of a mile wide. Polly's Island census for 2000 was 138 people. Like, oh my God, that's so tiny. I love it. I love when there's like not just millions of people surrounding you everywhere. 
In 2010, it drops to 103 residents. And in more recent years, that being in 2020, it raises to 130 people. I love small towns, small islands, little villages. You get the idea. It's like Norm and Cheers, where everybody knows your name. I feel more at peace and comfort in small towns. I've done big cities, Los Angeles and Denver, and it's just not my mug of beer anymore. Sure, I'll go and visit, but throw me up in the mountains somewhere and I am truly a happy camper. Holly's Island, with spectacular views of the water. It's no shocker here that this island is one of the East Coast's earliest vacation destinations. It's on the southern end of the Grand Strand, a stone's throw from the Waccamaw River, and on the Atlantic coast. The beauty here is raw. It's pure. It's beautiful. Looking at photos, it looks like something just straight out of a postcard. Pure beauty. While I myself prefer the mountains over the beach, I can see why people from all over the world flock to Polly's Island for some much-needed R&R and some sightseeing, as the site is truly epic. The earliest known people to call Polly's Island home dates back to the Native American tribes, the Wakama and the Winya. While the number of the tribes were terribly lowered when the Europeans were coming over in 1521, many of the tribes, they were captured and turned into slaves. Many starved to death. By 1720, the Winya tribe, they become extinct in this area. The Wakama, they hold on though, and they still are there to this very day. So that's pretty cool. Now in 1791, President George Washington himself comes over and visits the island. I think he is checking out the plantations and what have you, but he's still on the island, so that's pretty cool as well. We, Erica, are on the verge of a historic landfall, and we are currently in an ongoing disaster. Wherever you live, there's always something that is lurking in the shadows waiting to threaten you. It can rattle you to your very core. Earthquakes, been through those before, always scary. Avalanches, wildfires, been through those too. Flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes, the list just keeps going on. With the island life comes tropical storms, cyclones, hurricanes, tornadoes, rogue waves. Many tropical storms have hit small Polly's Island. The year was 1954 when Hurricane Hazel, a Category 4, and to date is one of the strongest tropical cyclones to ever barrel through both North and South Carolina. It causes $27 million of damage in South Carolina alone. And in Polly's Island alone, it destroys 40 homes, and several others are terribly damaged. While the actual number of deaths from this hurricane are unknown, it did claim the lives of at least 591 people, but the number is believed to be much higher, up to 1,191. You remember where the road comes to the beach from Southport? Well, just before you get there, every cottage has been demolished. Uh, there are very few timbers left. It's complete ruination. In 1989, Hurricane Hugo makes an appearance. 
causing $11 billion in damages in the United States alone. At the highest, it was at 160 miles per hour winds, the granddaddy at being a Category 5. On Polly's Island, just a small handful of homes will survive Hugo's wrath. 21 dead in the United States, 67 total. It is midnight Eastern Time, the darkness of night simply enhancing the drama. The most vulnerable areas include those barrier islands and parts of the coastline that are barely above sea level. In 2016, another Category 5 comes through, Hurricane Matthew, the deadliest hurricane since Hurricane Stan in 2005. The highest winds are up to 165 miles per hour. Matthew is responsible for $16.47 billion worth of damages in the United States alone. Sadly, 603 people are killed in the result to Hurricane Matthew. Haiti gets the brunt of it and suffers 546 deaths alone. Denuded, devastated by another natural disaster. In 2018, just a couple years after the very deadly and fatal Hurricane Matthew left his mark, Hurricane Florence joins the party. This Category 4 hurricane is responsible for 54 deaths with winds up to 150 miles per hour and costing $24.23 billion in damages in the United States alone. Most of the damage from Florence did happen in the Carolinas. Hurricane Florence affected me personally as we found ourselves in a state of emergency. So we got what belongings we could, you know, things that we knew we would really miss. And my sister, boyfriend, and I, along with Buttercup, my cat, you'll hear her meowing sometimes, and Midnight, my dog, we hightail it to Asheville, where my cousin and her now husband opened their home to us. It was scary, man, not going to lie in the slightest. Never do. We didn't know what the future held. Would we have a house standing after Florence's arrival? Would we lose everything? Would a tree fall into the house we were in and kill us? Would we experience flooding? All of these thoughts and more flooded my brain, no pun intended. While we came back to a house, thank the heavens, our house was okay. Sadly, though, many houses down the block experienced major flooding, some even up to their roofs. That's when we found out that our house, which is on the corner street, as soon as you get on the street, is on the upside of the street slant. Looking down to the other side, where so much damage occurred, it looked equal. No uphill or no obvious downhill, but lo and behold, we were in the perfect spot where we do not experience flooding, where a few houses to the right and the left, they do. So, yikes, really crazy. We came back from Asheville with just some tree limbs down in the yard, no damage in the house. I felt so bad, though, for the people on the same block as mine who had piles of furniture and their belongings out on the curb. Just basically a lifetime of collected memories and items out in the open just waiting for trash to pick it up and there it would sit for weeks which turned into months and several months we were lucky when it came to Florence but 
I will never forget the fear she put into us as we left. So you better believe we are in Colorado and Arizona when this kind of weather is coming. But we still have a house, so I'm always worried that we'll come back and it's not there. You know, thankfully we have people staying there and watching over it, but still it's very scary nonetheless. This monster hurricane now closes in. At this hour, Florence is a dangerous Category 3. Another close call we had when it comes to hurricanes is when we went on a cruise to the Bahamas in August of 2019. So this is before COVID came and disturbed all of our lives, right? We're happy. We're in the Bahamas. We're in Key West. You know, it was kind of stormy, and it rained a lot, and I just kind of really thought nothing of it. I didn't think, wow, we got killer tickets this time of year because, uh, hello, it's hurricane season. <laughs> so, while we're on the cruise, I, I've been on several, and I'm never just, like, staring at the TV and listening to what's happening. So, we weren't aware of any kind of events weather-wise that was taking place around us. We get back to Florida, my phone is just full of emails and text messages and voicemails asking if we're okay. I had no idea that there was a Category 5 hurricane called Hurricane Dorian that was en route to where we were in the Bahamas. It came and it actually stayed for several days wreaking death and destruction where just a few days ago, if not a couple days, we were there. It had winds that at its highest were 185 miles per hour. 84 people would die, 74 from the Bahamas alone. But the number is believed to be extremely higher, as at least 245 all in the Bahamas are still missing and presumed dead. Dorian is tied with the 1935 Labor Day hurricane when it comes to the mile-per-hour winds of 185. And in fact, the hurricane itself brought to the Bahamas over 200 mile-per-hour wind gusts. So there you have it. And I'm the first to admit, I do not do well under pressure. I don't. When scary things like hurricanes happen, I freeze or I hyperventilate. I went to go to Hawaii and like I think one or two days after I came back to Colorado, there was a tsunami. I was like, oh my God, I would be crying. I would be, I would be the one in the corner in a fetal position crying. No joke. So it's a really good thing I did not know about Hurricane Dorian while I was in the Bahamas. Now back on track, the most recent being Hurricane Ian taking place last year in 2022, another Category 5 with winds up to 160 miles per hour. The death toll is at least 161, and at least 13 remain missing and presumed dead. It makes landfall in Georgetown, South Carolina, and causes flooding throughout that area. $113.1 billion in damages in the United States alone. Faced evacuation orders, hopefully many of them heeded those, but now it's too late to get out. It's getting too dangerous. What spirit is a good spirit and a friendly and helpful one at that, but it's a bad thing if you see it. Sounds like a riddle, right? No fear, my friends, I will not leave you high and dry. The answer is the gray man. He is a well-known figure, ever so mysterious, as he is in Polly's Island. He is kind, he is thoughtful, and he has been known 
to save people's lives. Literally, he warns people to leave the island as impending doom is in the luggage that the upcoming tropical storms and hurricanes pack. They pummel through the areas with deadly accuracy and force and with an extreme bite and unforgiving consequences. If you are on Polly's Island and you see an ever so mysterious figure in gray and he approaches you, listen carefully what he has to say. Listen to his words, live by his words, jump into action and leave this place as if you do not, you may not live to see tomorrow. The Gray Man of Polly's Island, not to be confused with the Gray Man of Hatteras in North Carolina, believed to roam around the island's lighthouse who, like the Gray Man in South Carolina, will warn visitors and locals alike to leave when storms are approaching ever so closer. This Gray Man has been seen by many since the early 1900s. But here we are, jumping from one Carolina to the other, now back in South, saying goodbye to the North. The Gray Man is connected forever to a legend. He is believed to be a protector of sorts, obviously. He has been seen walking the coastline. He has been sighted for well over 200 years. Many times, just days before a hurricane or a terribly bad storm comes, People have experienced seeing a mysterious figure, all in gray, being approached and warned, if you want to live, you need to leave this island immediately. Immediately. The legend behind the gray man. That's right, it's legend time, baby. I love it. It's in the early 1820s. A young, gorgeous woman lives on Polly's Island. Life is good. She's in love. They're engaged, and she is on cloud nine. Her excitement grows when she receives word that the love of her life is en route to Polly's Island so they can finally start their life together as man and wife. This is a dream come true for her. They had been apart for so long. As she awaits his arrival, she begins to get the house ready. She's cleaning. She's having her servants help her prep his favorite dishes, so when he gets there, he feels right at home. During his travels to the island, Something happens. Tragedy strikes. Now I see two different versions here, both with the same end results basically. One is that he is on horseback with his servants to make things more interesting. He challenges them to a race. During this time, he sees some marshland off to the side and he thinks, hey, that's a shortcut. I'm going to take that and I'm going to win this thing. Suddenly, Something bad happens. The horse, he loses its footing and trips, throwing the man off of him. Both man and beast are stuck and sinking in the mud. Sorry, when I think of that, it reminds me of never-ending story. And oh God, I always cry when that horse is sinking and he's trying to save him. And it's like, oh my God, no. Okay, sorry. Back on the road. The servants, they see this, and they desperately try to save the man, but no such luck. You know, the woman, she begins to worry when the time has come that he is supposed to be arriving, and he is nowhere to be seen, no word at all. Maybe he's hurt. Perhaps there's a good reason why he's delayed. Sadly, this will not be the case. Eventually, word does arrive that he perished while en route to be with her. She is obviously beyond devastated. Who wouldn't be in that situation? She loses her mind. She begins to have these haunting dreams of him visiting her. The woman's condition, it's worsening. 
her family is rightfully worried about her. They decide it's time to have her evaluated and they take her to Charleston where their doctor is. During this trip, a hurricane strikes Polly's Island, destroying most of the homes and wiping out most of the residents. The woman's house, believe it or not, is left unscathed. Not a scratch on it. The other version has the man alone in his travels, so no servants in sight, and he sees marshland. He's tired. He's weary from the travels. You know, it's not just like jumping in a car and getting from here to there. He's on horseback. It's taking him a long time to get to where he needs to be. And he's ever so anxious to be reunited with his fiance. And he takes the shortcut, or what he believes to be a shortcut. The horse, like before, loses its footing. They sink. They die. The woman, she is beyond heartbroken to hear about his passing. As she mourns her loss, she finds peace in daily walks along the shoreline. It is one day during one of these walks, while lost in her thoughts about what could have been, the family they could have had, she sees this mysterious figure. He's all in gray. She sees his face and it just <gasps> takes her breath away. She's in shock. It's her late fiancé. Before she could get a word or even a peep out, he warns her, there's no time. There's a storm coming. You need to leave immediately. Go with your family and leave. Not long after this warning from beyond the grave, an unforgiving storm barrels through, wipes out all the houses but hers. Fast forward many years, and a couple are staying on the island at one of the bed and breakfast joints, that being the Pelican Inn. And while there, they encounter a man who knocks on the door. And he tells the couple that they need to leave immediately. He then disappears before their very eyes. And guess what, you guys? A deadly hurricane strikes just days later. Throughout the years, there have been several sightings of the gray man walking along the shore. And when he has been seen... It's a sign, you guys, that a storm is brewing that possibly a hurricane will be making its way to Polly's Island very shortly. You see me, you leave. The hurricanes that I mentioned earlier that came through, he has been seen before every single one of them before landfall. The Pelican Inn, where the visitors had that encounter with the Gray Man, well, it's a haunted location. It was built back in 1858. It is now owned by a sweet family where they offer breakfast, lunch, and scenic, amazing, breathtaking views. It is small and cozy as there are only eight rooms. And it's located right off the beach. The land was purchased back in 1844. And it originally starts off as a part-time home for Charles Jenner at Weston. The family used this home up until 1864. After a few owners. It eventually is sold to the Atlantic Coast Lumber Company in 1901. It changes owners once again and it is then converted into the Pelican Inn. The location where it is is pretty perfect. Built behind the highest of dunes on Polly's Island, surrounded by oak trees. This kind of acts, if you will, as a shield and it has spared this in during hurricanes Hazel and Hugo, and I imagine several others. It has a sad tale connected to it, and it is said that two dogs haunt the hotel because of that tale. 
You can hear them barking in the historic inn when there are no canine visitors present. It's believed that the two dogs went into the water long ago in desperate attempts to save a young boy who was drowning, and they themselves, they drowned. In addition to these two phantom canine pepperinos, several people have claimed to have seen a full-bodied apparition of a beautiful woman wearing an old blue dress. And at All Saints Church, there is a grave marker for a woman named Alice Flagg. Many believe Alice haunts this location. You see, Alice, she was in love with this man, and she came from a wealthy family, and this family of hers, they really believed that she could do a lot better than her suitor. She wanted to marry him. Love is love. She she was in love with this man. She didn't care if her family didn't like him or not. I mean, she would have preferred they liked the dude, but, you know, she's just kind of like, look, I love this guy. They demanded her not see him anymore. Like, demanded it. She goes against their wishes. They get engaged. When her family finds out about this engagement, they are furious. They see red. One of the members is said to have yanked the engagement ring right off of her finger, like how rude, and throws it right into the water. The distraught woman dies not too long after the encounter. It is said that she died from a broken heart. There's a myth that if you leave a ring on her headstone or something that is similar to a ring and you walk around it three different times it is said she may just allow you to see her apparition now this is kind of her way of saying thank you for thinking of me thank you for this ever so kind gift it is believed that she roams the shoreline searching for that lost ring forever lost forever searching and yet Another haunted location on Polly's Island is the Litchfield Plantation. This amazing site is one of the oldest rice plantations on the Waccamaw River. Built back in 1740, by 1850, Litchfield was producing 1 million pounds of rice per year. Like, that's phenomenal. It is believed to be haunted by one of the past residents, a doctor named Henry Tucker. He served in the Confederate Army as a doctor. There have been many times when people will hear the sounds of a horse running towards the plantation, then the sound of a bell at the entrance gate. It is believed to be the late doctor coming back from one of his many house calls that he often did while he was a doctor. Disembodied footsteps they have also been heard walking up and down the staircase. Several have seen him in what they call the Blue Room. And he is not alone, as ghostly maids roam the property as well. Room service? I believe this is a private residential community now, so no coming to tour or visit. But I would love to just go there and take some pictures of the outside. I just love plantations. That's one of my favorite things besides visiting the burial grounds in New Orleans is checking out those amazing plantations as they have so much history about them. And one million pounds of rice per year? Not too bad, my friends. Not too bad at all. So, if you are ever on vacation at Polly's Island, located in South Carolina, be sure to keep an eye out for the man in gray, better known as the gray man. And if he wants you to hit the bricks, baby, you better do so and listen to him. It could save your life, especially during hurricane season. And 
Also, keep an eye out for the other island spirits, like the dogs of the Pelican Inn and the apparition of Alice Flagg. This week's special city shoutouts go to Addis, Louisiana, Soyapongo, El Salvador, Charleroi, Belgium, Lake Delton, Wisconsin, and Glen Allen, Alabama. As always, you guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. And remember, for your anniversary today, go April 10th. Woohoo! So much appreciated. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Eh, no need to worry about it. Just hit up any of those amazing podcast platforms right now where you can listen to your heart's content, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Podcast Republic, Player FM. Basically, wherever you roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. Would you like to be a future voiceover for an episode that doesn't even exist yet? Do you have any idea for a topic for an episode, whether it be a haunted location, your favorite local haunt, a myth, a legend, perhaps a curse? Do you have a spooky experience of your own that you would like to share? Please feel free to reach out to me. You can always message me and find me through my Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page, or you can email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. That's P-A-R-A-P-R-O-W-L at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, and I will see you next week.